Look, either we handle the law, that's the prideful uh, Pharisee, the legalist, I've got the law handled, or the law handles us, that's the person who's fallen in despair because the law has shown them their own sin. But, but how we want to have it is that Christ has the law destroyed and Christ has us. And this comes in and breaks apart all of this, uh, our relationship with the law altogether because Christ has us. And, and if we know that if he has us in the forgiveness of his sins and in, and in the hands of his mercy, uh, then the law cannot tear us away from him. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Welcome to Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigland with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. And uh, today is a special day on Table Talk Radio because we're welcoming our newest affiliate, KNEC in Yuma, Colorado. Um, uh, if, if you're listening in KNEC, you want to thank you for listening. And also uh, do us a favor and thank um, our sponsors. Just listen during the commercial break and listen to see who sponsors Table Talk Radio and give them a thank you. Uh, Pastor Wolfmiller, in uh, about a minute or less, how would you summarize and introduce Table Talk Radio? Uh, Table Talk Radio is a, f- is a fast-moving, uh, entertaining, theological variety show. Both Evan and I are Lutherans, so we have a specific Lutheran theology, which means that we're, we're mostly interested in, in distinguishing between the law and the gospel, the Lord's commands and His promises. And we want to uh, continually be teaching and discovering how we can better do that uh, in church and in our own lives, how we can, how we can sort out if the Lord is commanding us, uh, to do something and showing us our sin, or if he's giving us the forgiveness of sins and the promise of the gospel. That's right. And on today's edition of Table Talk Radio, we're playing a few games. First, we're playing Which Ladder. We'll explain how that works. And then we're playing Law and or Gospel. And in the third segment of the program, we're playing Name That Theologian, a little game we play where we uh, say some quotes from theologians and try and guess who it is. And then ending up this uh, edition of Table Talk Radio, playing Bumper Sticker Theology. Uh, I think one of Pastor Wolf Miller's favorites. I think these are all my favorites. I'm gonna. I have a. I love all of these games. I'll have to sort out which is my favorite by the end of the show. Uh, but this Witch Ladder is certainly one of my favorites, and it's an often requested game on Table Talk Radio because uh, because what we do is we're we're teaching discernment, how to listen uh, to different uh, to different theologies and different ideas and discern what they're telling us. Uh, the way the game works, you want to explain the game, Evan, or you want me to have a shot at this? Well, the way it works is um, uh, there's an old Lutheran theologian named Adolf Caberly, and he basically said that every man-made religion can be classified in one of three ways. And, and they are these three ladders that man uh, builds up to try to climb into heaven. And the three ladders are the ladder of the will, called moralism, being good enough to get to heaven, the ladder of the emotions or mysticism, 
where we have some sort of deep uh, spiritual experience of God and so uh, are saved this way, or the latter of the mind, rationalism, where we understand enough or are smart enough to, um, uh, to, to, to attain heaven and some sort of uh, connection with the divine. So those are the three ladders. And the way this game works is we have some uh, different quotations or some audio sound bites, and we listen to them and we say, which ladder is this person telling me? Uh, that I need to climb to get into heaven. And it could be a combination of two or all three of the ladders, but we try to, we try to pull out one specific thing and so we can uh, begin to discern uh, kind of the false gospel that's being peddled all around us. Okay, so uh, we're going to have a, a few clips to listen to, is that right? I think so. All right, well, let's go ahead and play this first one here and uh, see what we find. I come into your presence past the gates of praise into your sanctuary till we're standing face to face I look upon your countenance I see the fullness of your grace and I can only and say, you are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. You are There you have it. (laughs) Now, this kind of reminds me of our uh, discussion that we had on Table Scraps. In case you don't know, uh, Table Scraps is is kind of an an additional uh, time for Table Talk Radio. Uh, It's found on our website, tabletalkradio.org, where we have additional interviews and discussions. And uh, for one edition of I like it when you call the Table Scraps uh, the exclusive edition. It is the Internet exclusive. Internet exclusive. That sounds really fancy. (laughs) So Table Scraps is the Internet exclusive edition of Table Talk Radio. And uh, on one of these uh, editions of Table Scraps, we interviewed Chris Tomlin, one of the, the top praise and worship songs and he said didn't he pastor wilfmer that that the purpose then of a song is to, is to create this experience that um to, to draw us in the felt presence of god yeah he said it like this the purpose of a worship leader is to bring people into the presence of god and, and we then we asked what how do you know if you're in the presence of god and the answer was you got the holy spirit in you and you just kind of know it which is see this is the really the problem and i think this is why i wanted to have this clip here is that Really, the the modern praise and worship movement is is built on moving people towards an experience of being united with the with God, uh, being in the presence of God, and that's how the lyrics to this song go, uh, don't they? Um, you're awesome in this place. Let's see how. Hey, I just had the lyrics in front of me, and now they've disappeared. Uh, do you remember how? Oh yeah, as I here they are. As I come into your presence, past the gates of praise, whatever in the world those are into your sanctuary till we're standing face to face 
I look upon your countenance. I see the glory of your holy face. I can only bow down and say, you are awesome in this place. Now, this is really uh, a fantastic song to demonstrate this uh, this whole mystical characteristic of of the modern praise and worship movement is it it's it's this idea of being face to face with with God Almighty. Now we know just first of all from the Bible that number one, if that ever happens to you, you're you're toast. I mean, you're done for. No one can look upon God and see Him face to face and live. Uh, the scriptures say, because God is has an overwhelming holiness. So, so to stand face to face with Him on this side of the resurrection is to be is to just become kind of burnt toast. You get fried. I mean, you're done. It's over. But this idea that we have uh, that we can handle that and be face to face with God. I mean, this is really the basis of mysticism and the basis of all this stuff. So when we ask when we go back to this question, which ladder is this is this song having us climb? The answer is it's the ladder of, of mysticism, the ladder of our emotions. It's it's emphasizing this fact that because we have some sort of deposit of the divine nature within us, we can we can have this connection to God uh, and 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 that it is good and it doesn't end up in our destruction. That's right. Uh, let's uh, get going then on this next one. Then wait, aren't you going to give me points for that? You want? Uh, did we do points for which ladder? We should. <laughs> I don't think we did, and I, I think that uh, you're still sore about not getting any points in our, our past shows that you're trying to make up for it here. <laughs> well, that's fine. So that's so. Give me some points then. Okay, Evan. three Come points on, for that one. Here. Three. Oh, that, that's that's big time in, in basketball. I got a, a, scored a three pointer. So. <laughs> It's all, in all right. All right. Here's the well, second. Any, one. any thoughts on this sort of thing? I mean, do you do you confirm my theory here that praise and the modern praise and worship music is is a, almost a pure mysticism, uh, yeah. trying to unite people with uh, with the divine nature? Yeah, and and again, I I've, uh, think it comes out most evident in the in our interview. Not not to harp on the the Tomlin interview the whole time, but um, to, to to explicitly say that look at, as a worship leader, I'm coming in to create an experience. But that's not what we're looking for. Uh, in Christianity, we're looking for the objective truths. We're looking for the uh, objectivity that Christ descended into um, into humanity with us and took on sin with us. And objectively, he went to the cross and nailed our sins there. And so objectively, we can say that, that um, God sees us as forgiven, as righteous, as holy, uh, not because of our emotion, not because we feel it, because how many times do we not feel it? Um, but rather because objectively Christ has done it for us and he's delivered those gifts to us. So I, I completely agree with your uh, assessment there. Yeah, the mechanism that the Lord has given us to determine if he loves us and if he is near us is, his, is our ears, which hear his promises in the Scripture, not our emotions and some sort of feeling. So when we hear in the Scriptures the Lord's promise that our sins are forgiven and that Christ will never leave us or forsake us, it doesn't matter if we feel forgiven or not. And it doesn't matter if we feel the presence of God or not. We can know 100% without any doubting and with a complete certainty that God is near and that he loves us and that our sins are forgiven. So that's the danger of the whole mysticism thing is that it, it's trying to build the house on, uh, on, shaking, on shaking sand. Uh, and we know what happens to that house. It, it falls, and as the Lord says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, great is the fall. And maybe there's there's someone listening that might agree or disagree with us, and they can voice their opinion to our voicemail, uh, 866-851-5523 is the number. And uh, we like to tap into those voicemail messages once in a while and, and uh, comment or, or 
uh, play those on the air. So uh, if you're willing to do that, go ahead and give us a call, 866-851-5523, or you can email us, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Um, and also uh, just lots, a lot of other stuff on our website, tabletalkradio.org, and check that out. Uh, Pastor Wolfman, we're out of time for this segment, but we can uh, take a quick break and continue this game, Which Ladder, uh, right after this. Does that sound good? Sounds great. All right. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Table Talk Radio. Where is means is. And finished means finished. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're in the middle of playing a, a game called Witch Ladder. And uh, we've already looked at our first clip here. I guess listened to our first clip. And now it's time for our second clip. So here we go with uh, continuing the game Witch Ladder. There are two ways of looking at the world. Through faith of superstition or through the rigors of logic, observation and evidence. Through reason. Yet today, reason has a battle on its hands. I want to confront the epidemic of irrational, superstitious thinking. Would you understand somebody on the spirit side with the name Charles? I believe that I get... You really believe it? I believe absolutely 100% that it's true, because it's been proven to me against my rationality. It's a multi-million pound industry that impoverishes our culture. Astrology leans toward the divine and the sacred, words which I know you don't like very much and throws up New Age gurus who exhort us to run away from reality. The tree-ness is the spiritual quality. Or the rock-ness. Or the rock-ness. As a scientist, I don't think our indulgence of irrational superstition is harmless. I believe it profoundly undermines civilization. Reason and a respect for evidence are the source of our progress, our safeguard against fundamentalists, and those who profit from obscuring the truth. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Pastor Wolfmuller, that sounds like Richard Dawkins. Tis. Tis the world-famous Richard Dawkins, uh, author of all sorts of um, atheist manifestos and things like this. And so... Uh, uh, and, and he's there talking about how... Uh, he, you know, isn't this amazing? He, faith and superstition, as if they're the same thing, you know. Uh, and, he, and he specifically pits faith and superstition against reason and respect for the evidence. Uh, so, that's, so that's his program, and he's going to say that it's only, uh, it's only atheism with its kind of practical scientific naturalism uh, that has any sort of respect for evidence, and any, any faith is a fleeing from evidence and observation uh, and a flight towards that which is undemonstrable and un, uh, untestable and untenable for him. Further, furthermore, he would say that religion is actually a, a danger to us rather than, you know, we, we see religion, uh, at least Christianity, I should say. We see Christianity as, as the hope and, and uh, uh, salvation of mankind. He would actually say um, uh, faith and religion is dangerous because you're putting that faith above your rationale. Yes, this is the one of the characteristics of this kind of new atheism that's risen with Dawkins at the top and uh, and Sam Harris as well with his letter to a Christian nation and the end of reason. Is, the old atheists would have said that that religion is wrong 
and perhaps dangerous. Uh, the new atheists have a different emphasis. It's on the fact that religion is dangerous and also happens to be wrong. And so there's actually groups of atheists out there that are pursuing legislation uh, to make religion illegal, to make any sort of creed or faith uh, against the law, b- because they think that it's a danger to society. And they take advantage of 9-11 and the attack on the World Trade Centers to, uh, to further this, where they say that, look, you know, look where fundamentalism gets you. It gets two towers crushed. So fundamentalism in every form is wrong. So they completely really ignore the, the, the content of the faith and just say that faith in and of itself is a, is a dangerous thing. Now, not all atheists, by the way, buy into this. I, I don't know. I didn't think I told you this, Evan, but I've got um, a plans in a few weeks to go and meet with an atheist group here in Denver. And, and there's two different groups that, that resulted from a split. And one of them uh, is kind of really emphasizing the danger of religion. And the other one is more peaceable. And they just want to continue the conversation type of thing. And I'm going to go meet with this peaceable atheist group. And, and I've got a paper that I've written to propose to them, too. But there's a split in the atheist community about uh, the how dangerous religion is. A lot of the atheists don't like Dawkins and don't like Sam Harris because they say that they themselves exhibit the same kind of fundamentalist tendencies that they're trying to fight against. Uh, So we can't lump all these atheists uh, together in the same group. Now, uh, of Caberly's three... Uh, ladders. Does does Dawkins have one of these in, sitting in his garage that he climbs on a, a daily basis? <laughs> yeah, this is really obvious that his ladder is the ladder of reason or rationality, uh, uh, respect for evidence, scientific discovery. So his ladder that he's climbing to attain uh, enlightenment is the ladder of the mind. Now, we wouldn't say he's climbing that ladder to reach God or heaven because he doesn't have a God or heaven to reach, but this is certainly the ladder that he's telling us uh, that human beings need to ascend. It's through scientific discovery that that society has all of the benefits that it does. And and this is what we need to emphasize then in our own lives, the scientific discovery. Uh, So the ladder that uh, that, uh, Dawkins would have us climb is the ladder of the mind. uh, Rationalism. Yeah, that's right. And um, It's right and worth points, Evan. Come on now. No, no. (laughs) Not yet. That's maybe worth a free throw. (laughs) Uh, But uh, you, you mentioned earlier that, that he kind of pits um, s- evidence against faith or uh, links superstition with faith. Um, however, Christianity is, is a religion, I think, based on facts, based on the, the evidence. So uh, we have the historical documents that uh, we find in the, in the Gospels that record uh, that Jesus Christ did uh, come and, and die on the cross and rise from the dead. And the, the, the Gospels... Um, are hi- historically accurate. Uh, they've never been discounted, and uh, um, at least not by any legitimate historian or uh, anything else. Uh, and so we have the the true facts that, that Christ did come and and die on the cross and rise from the dead. Uh, Paul says, if, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then uh, we're the most to be pitied, and that's true. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then our religion uh, is nothing. But Christ did rise from the dead. Thanks be to God. That's right. And, and, and all the time, this life and death and resurrection of Jesus is given to us as a historical reality, and not as some sort of myth or story or life lesson or anything like this. It's surrounded by characters and, and dates and events that can be verified. And, and that's precisely, I mean, when Jesus shows up in the flesh, this is what it means, is that he is entering into our human history where he can be, where he can be touched uh, he can be he can be seen he can be talked to and he he is there uh, 
so that uh, so that he is, if you want, scientifically uh, verifiable. And and you're exactly right that we have that in the account of the scripture. Okay, uh, about four minutes left, Pastor. Uh, do you have a, a third one you want to get to? Sure, I've got to read this one. Uh, you can, if you want to play Bible Bee with this one, you can tell me where you think it comes from. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read a verse here, um, and then we're going to we're going to witch ladder it. For we labored diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ, and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved. After all that we can do. Is that it? That's it. You know where it comes from? Well, I don't like mixing games, so we're not going to play uh, Bible B in the. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, this comes from Second Nephi, verse chapter twenty-five, verse twenty-three. Second Nephi, of course, is uh, uh, you won't find that in your Bible. You'll find it in your uh, Book of Mormon. I'm I'm uh, glad then I, I didn't <laughs> guess one of our uh, books of the Bible then. <laughs> That's right, and you. But it it sounds just like a Bible verse, doesn't it? Sure. Here, listen. I'll, again, we have the the last part of it. Uh, for we, for we know that it is by grace that we are saved. Now that sounds just like uh, Ephesians two eight, which says we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is a gift of God, uh, that no man should boast. But you notice the last part of this verse in in uh, in Second Nephi twenty five changes it. It says. It is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. Now, what do you think that means? Well, it sounds like uh, it's up to you to climb your own ladder by your own uh, workings and doings. Um, And then grace just kind of comes in and fills in the cracks where you couldn't, uh, God does. But still you're doing and working and, and action. Yeah, you have this ladder of moralism, which is the ladder of good works, and you've got to climb it. Now, there is some sense that the ladder is not long enough. So after you've reached the top of the ladder, then Jesus comes down and finishes and brings you the rest of the way. But there's a danger here, because it's, it's after all that we can do, after we've climbed as high as we can climb, after we've worked as hard as we can work, after we've sacrificed as much as we can sacrifice, then the grace of God takes over. But this is not how the gospel works. The gospel works that from the beginning to the end, the Lord Jesus is doing everything. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the source and the goal, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end and the completion all the way through. I mean, Jesus does everything. He's the one who comes down to us. He's the one that that takes all of our sin on himself. He's the one that overcomes death and the grave in his resurrection. He does all of this out of his own grace and mercy. With, without and apart from everything that we can do. So it's not like there's two ladders, that, that we start on the bottom and Jesus starts on the top and we meet somewhere in the middle. No, not at all. The ladder of our salvation is the ladder of Jesus who comes down to us all the way into our flesh, into our death, into our sin, and dies for us. That, that's the gospel, uh, the ladder of our salvation, which is Jesus. Jesus says when he calls uh, uh, Nathan to be uh, his apostle in the beginning, first chapter of John, he says, you'll see greater things than these. You'll see the Son of Man uh, with angels ascending and descending upon him. And this, is a, this is a picture of the ladder of our salvation, is that Jesus is the one who bridges the gap from heaven to earth all the way. And it's in his coming to us that we have life and salvation and forgiveness. And so, I mean, really, this is the end of what do we do with all of these ladders? We throw them in the fire. 
I mean, by our morals, by our good works, by our, our mind and by our understanding, by our emotions and this mysticism, these can never attain to heaven and eternal life. The only thing that can get this for us is Jesus and his cross uh, and his death for us. And so we want to throw away all these man-made ladders and trust completely in Christ alone for our salvation. For that, I will give you a hundred points. Hey! That's sweet That's what gospel. I'm looking for. Hey, uh, we'll talk more about this on the other side of this break when we play law and or gospel, a little game where we, we determine what's going on when you read uh, some Bible verses and some other quotes and stuff. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. The Donate Now button at tabletalkradio.org is now open for your convenience. Through PayPal, you can make fast, secure, huge donations to the show. So visit our website, and thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're playing Law and or Gospel. My favorite game, Evan. My favorite game. Well, this is a regular for Table Talk Radio. And let me explain how the game works. Uh, here are the rules. We're going to give you a Bible passage or a, a quote from somebody. And we're trying to determine whether it's law or gospel. And how we do that is we look to see, does the is what we tell you, is it telling us something that we should be doing, a way we should be living, uh, a, cer- a certain thing that we're supposed to do, uh, that would be the law. Or if it's something that Jesus has done for us, uh, then that's the gospel. And what the results of that are, uh, if it's the law, then we always see our uh, condemnation in them. We never see that we can actually keep the law perfectly. Um, so in the law, we see our sin. We, f- we find that we don't match up to the, the expectations of God. However, in the gospel, we find that uh, Jesus has done it all for us. And so by his works and his merits, we are forgiven. Uh, We are uh, declared righteous because of the works of Christ. And so that's the distinction between law and gospel. Nicely done, Evan. And you're right. This is our bread and butter on Table Talk Radio because it it should be our bread and butter as Christians that we're always... We're always listening to to the sermons that are being preached to us, even the scripture re- uh, lessons that we're reading when someone's talking to us, giving us counsel. When we're uh, when we have the unfortunate circumstance of tuning into some sort of Christian radio or TV, uh, any of these sorts of things, we're listening and saying, "Is this guy giving me law, or is he giving me gospel?" Uh, and and we want to be able to answer that question with a with a good degree of certainty, because we know the law, like you said, kills us, but the gospel is what gives us life. Okay. Uh, should I go first? Are yes. We both have, have two or three? I have three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Okay. okay. So my first one is Genesis three fourteen, uh, fourteen and 15. The Lord God said to the serpent, remember this is after uh, Adam and Eve uh, um, took from the forbidden tree. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat. All the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He will bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Aha. What do you think, law or gospel? 
Now, this is a marvelous verse, one that we should spend some more time uh, talking on. I happen to know that this verse has a special name. It has a Latin name, at least verse 15. It's called the Proto-Evangelion, which means the first gospel. So there's a little hint uh, that this text, at least verse 15, uh, the verse 14, where the Lord curses the serpent and the devil, is, a, is certainly a, a word of condemnation and law. But that verse 15 is, is the purest gospel. And, and here's how it goes. When Adam and Eve sinned, uh, there became, there wasn't then an enmity between God and man, an enmity between heaven and earth, an enmity between Adam and Eve and their Creator, and yet the Lord won't won't let that enmity stand. He's going to take that enmity, and he's instead of putting it between him and Adam and Eve, he's going to put it between Adam and Eve and the devil, and then he gives this marvelous promise to, that the seed of the woman will bruise or crush the head of the of the serpent of the devil. This is a promise, the first promise, and, and the promise upon which all the Old Testament is built, that there would be a man born of a woman without the help of a, of a man, that's what the seed of the woman means, who would be both God and man. Because while man in their perfection was able to resist the devil, they were not able to destroy him. And yet this man, born of a woman without the help of a man, who is also God, would be able and would crush the head of the devil and his children, that is, sin and death. But in that crushing, the head of the devil, this man would also himself be crushed by his heel. And that's a, a wound. The crushing is a mortal wound, but in the heel indicates uh, that it won't last forever. So here in this verse we have the promise that a, a woman would give birth to a man who would be both God and man, and who in his being destroyed would also destroy sin, death, and the devil, which is a marvelous thing. I mean, after God promises this to Adam and Eve, they could have just as well confessed the Apostles' Creed with us uh, because it's such marvelous and beautiful gospel. Very good. 200 points for that answer. Man, bringing the score to, to 303 to nothing, Evan. Well, you better give me one so I can, okay. I can try to redeem myself. Well, here we go. This is what I want to try today. I have some just one word, uh, and I, uh, one word clues or hints, and I want to take these words and talk about them and see uh, how these words come out, if they are law or gospel. Uh, so here's the first word. Ready? Ready. Love. Well. That's all, love. <laughs> Could this be taken as two different ways, though? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's right. Law and or gospel, remember? Okay. Uh, so it's possible to have uh, have one word be both law and gospel, but you gotta do, you got to sort out how, they could, how it could be both. Okay. So uh, uh, God says to us, uh, love thy neighbor. And so I then am expected uh, to love Pastor Wolfler no matter uh, how hard it is at times. Um, right. And most of the time it is pretty hard. Uh, but uh, no matter uh, how well I, I think I'm doing at that, um, let's use someone else as an example <laughs> other than Pastor Wolf Miller. Uh, but no, no matter how well I think I'm doing at, at loving my neighbor, uh, I know that I'm not doing it perfectly. Uh, somewhere uh, in me there's a, a selfish desire. I'm not being um, the perfect servant as I should, or I am uh, harbor some sort of animosity. And so I never, ever... Uh, love my neighbor as I should. Um, however, um, another way that that word, single word love could be taken would be God's love to us. And if it's God loving us uh, through Jesus Christ, because uh, uh, you know the, the verse everyone knows, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die for us. Um, in that love, uh, we see Christ. And so that is gospel. 
Yeah, Evan, perfect. I mean, you nailed it. That's if it's if it's our command to love, then it's a perfect summary of the law and kills us. I mean, all the law is summarized in this word, you love your neighbors yourself, says St. Paul. So if you want a one-word summary of the Ten Commandments, it's this word love. The Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. And and this we know we do not ever do. But then, on the flip side, we have the love of God for us, which is the purest gospel. Like you said, God so loved the world that he gave his son. So that this word love functions both as law or gospel. Now, the trick is, when someone says love, we think, oh, love sounds nice, must be gospel. But we've got to listen closely, because if it's talking about our love for our neighbor, then it's the law towards us, and it will end up killing us, driving us back to our need, really, for Jesus and his love for us. Nice work. Points? Uh, 100 points what? for the law answer and 100 oh. points for the gospel. So there I, think I, I think I should points. get 200 for each. <laughs> Fine. If you get to pick your own points, what is this, like a Unitarian church? <laughs> okay, okay. Well, it's your turn. <laughs> uh, this comes from a uh, a pretty popular book. It's kind of old now uh, by Rick Warren, uh, the book The Purpose Driven Life. I'm going to read a, a, a brief section, and you tell me if it's law and or gospel. You don't bring glory or pleasure to God by hiding your abilities or by trying to be someone else. You only bring him enjoyment by being you. God also gains pleasure in watching you enjoy his creation. He gave you eyes to enjoy beauty, ears to enjoy sounds, and your nose and taste buds to enjoy smells and tastes, and the nerves under your skin which enjoy touch. God even enjoys watching you sleep. When my children were small, I remember the deep satisfaction of watching them sleep. Uh, so, Pastor, uh, is that law and or gospel? What in the world is he talking about? This is... I sometimes have a trouble sorting out this thing. I mean, there's it's certainly... Well, let's just say this. It's certainly not gospel in that there is no Jesus dying for my forgiveness. Um, and this idea that God loves you for who you are, God lo- love, is, smile, is happy with you for being you or whatever that was, I mean, that's, that's nutty talk. That's just a plain old denial of original sin and the fall. So I know it's not gospel, so it's got to be law in there, but it's kind of a goofy, kind of soft-pedaled, nice-sounding law, is that God wants you to enjoy his creation, which, true enough, but it's only through the, it's only through the death of Jesus on the cross that we're able to do that. We, we're taken back to this verse in Romans 8, which says, uh, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not together with him also give us all things? So the gift of all these other things, of food and wine and house and home and and spouse and children to enjoy when they're sleeping uh, and when they're awake for that matter, uh, all of this stuff, this comes through Jesus' uh, death on the cross. I mean, it's only through Jesus' death and through his shed blood that we know that God smiles at us and loves us. Uh, So we we always have to have that first, and we didn't hear that in this text, so I'm going to put it down there as law. Yeah, I think you're right. And and again, whenever we talk about uh, God finding a... Uh, favor uh, or uh, being pleased with you if it's uh, if he's doing that apart from the cross of Christ then it's law and it's really not true at all um, because the only pleasure that God finds in us is through his son Jesus because as you said uh, earlier we we're talking about being in the presence of God if we were truly in the real presence of God because of our sin we would be struck down um, but uh, to, to be in the presence of, of God uh, in Christ um, then he sees only uh, us being perfect, uh, clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Exactly right. Okay, just over a minute. You better uh, get to your uh, your last one here. All right, here's another one-word clue for you. Ready? Ready. Wrath. Wrath. 
Okay. Um, I think, again, you can take this two ways, and I'll try and be quick. Um, and we talked about, I think, uh, this before on Table Talk Radio. Wrath um, it could be law in the sense that um, we see God's wrath um, uh, in, in anger for disobedience. And so it, when uh, the answer uh, for sin uh, apart from Christ is God's wrath. Um, although I think I can take this as gospel as well, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but um, at the cross we see God's uh, God's wrath poured out upon His Son Jesus, and there we see the um, the law having its way with Jesus. But uh, in in the wrath poured out upon Jesus, you know, uh, Jesus says, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" That's gospel because He's doing it in my place. That's exactly right. We ask just simply the question: Who's getting the wrath? And if we're getting it, then it's certainly law. But if Jesus is getting it in our place, then this stands as the I mean, most wonderful gospel. And that's all the time we have. So how many points do I have for that one? I'll give you 200 points for that. That gives you 400 points. If I knew how many I had, I would probably know that you beat me. Okay. <laughs> well, don't, don't you know, freak out yet because we have one more segment where we play Name That Theologian and still gain some more points. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. Thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. There are many ways you can get involved as a listener of Table Talk Radio. First, you can email us, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Call our listener response line, 866-851-5523. Or you can post on our forum at tabletalkradio.org. Click the forum link after a short free registration. You can post questions or comments about Table Talk Radio. Name that theologian is the last game. I'm issuing a protest, oh, but well, you can't on. start the game yet. I'm, I am I did not receive points for my answer on the Rick Warren question, and so I've issued, like the Olympic style, I've issued a team, Wolfmuller has issued a protest on the ruling for that last game. So uh, you got to go back and review it and give points. So the Rick Warren, w- w- the law answer there, I... I uh, okay, I'll give you 200 points for that one. All right, all right. Issuing Put a, myself in the lead. With issuing a protest. you got to be kidding me. No, 503 per 10 points to your 400 per 10 points. All right. Well, I'm going to dominate here then. Uh, <laughs> name that theologian. This is where we, we read a quote from a, a certain theologian, and then uh, we uh, try to guess who that is. So, Pastor Wolfman, do you want to go first so I can try and get some points? <laughs> yeah, except for first we have points on the line for those that are listening. We have a listener participation game oh, that we're right. going to start out this segment with. And so I'm going to give a, a quotation here. And if you, as you're listening, if you can track this down, if you know who it is, even if you just have a guess, an idea, you can send in your answer to us and win big prizes. The, or or if fact, you can access Google.com. I don't know if this will be on the Internet. I, I'm reading from an actual text here. Uh, but the prize that we have to give away is this book by uh, Matthew C. Harrison, uh, executive director of LCMS World Relief uh, and Human Care, a marvelous book titled Christ Have Mercy, How to Put Your Faith in Action. And it talks about, um, with our understanding of the doctrine of justification and doctrine of baptism, how do we serve our neighbor in love, those around us. Uh, so this is the prize that you can win. Uh, if you send in, uh, participate in this listener participation game. Okay, here's the quotation. 
Uh, and then after this is over, Evan will give you all the ways to contact us. To this day, those who glory in Christ crucified are ridiculed among Jews and Turks. But God wanted to be known in the form of weakness in order to confound human wisdom. For it is wisdom supreme to cling to the weak form of Christ crucified and not to be offended, so that we know or think nothing of God but that he is crucified. The thought of God's majesty is very dangerous, for an evil spirit can assume the form of majesty, but he cannot assume the form of the cross, because in this he was overcome and overthrown. Therefore he most bitterly hates it. Okay, if you know who that theologian is, go and let us know. You can email us at lpg at tabletalkradio.org. Hey, we LPG said, stands for Listener Participation Game, right? That's right. Or you can call us at uh, 866-851-5523. Uh, leave uh, your name and a way for us to contact you if you do that. So uh, 866-851-5523 or lpg at tabletalkradio.org. All right, I'm ready. Oh, another theologian. Okay, let me go to the text here. All right, this is a tough one, Evan. This is actually... If you get this one, uh, it's 2,000 points for it, you. If I, if I uh, don't get it, can I, can I guess the listener participation one? <laughs> you want to switch it? Make the, make the almost impossible one, the listener participation game? <laughs> All right, let's That hear would it. be mean to our listeners. I want to be mean to you. All I mean, right. <laughs> the listeners have to suffer enough just by the fact that they're listening. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, here it is. Uh, three quotes, quotations. First, whoever hears retains and believes the word, receives God himself, for God is the word. If, therefore, the word of God, Christ our Lord, dwells in us by faith, and we are one with him, we may say with Paul, I live, though not I, but Christ lives in me, and then we are justified by faith. Quote one. You got an idea? Nope. Oh, by the way, this is a Reformation theologian, so um, I really pulled quotations from the 16th century, somewhere in the 1500s. Okay, here's quotation number two. The one and only righteousness availing before God is God himself. But Christ is the word which we apprehend by faith, and thus Christ in us, God himself, is our righteousness which avails before God. You there? You getting it? Yeah, I still have no idea. But go ahead with the third one. <laughs> the gospel has two parts. The first, that Christ has satisfied the justice of God. The other, that he has cleansed us from sin and justifies us by dwelling in us. Okay, and uh, your hint? <laughs> I will give you a hint. I'll give you a summary of why this, this, uh, this teacher... Is d differs from the Lutheran teachers because it uses a lot of the same language, justified by faith and this sort of thing. But the emphasis of this particular person is Christ dwelling in us, that we are righteous not by being declared righteous, by being called righteous, by being uh, forgiven of all of our sins, but we are righteous when we by faith apprehend Christ and he dwells within us. So rather than emphasizing Christ for us, the emphasis is on Christ in us. And if Christ comes in us with his divine righteousness, this swallows up our human sin. So that's the hint. That's the, really the key of this, uh, of this error and of this, uh, of this theologian. Yeah. Um, I'm still drawing a blank, too. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I'll give you a three choices, then. How about that? Okay. This will give you a one out of three chance. Um, 
Andreas, Osiander, or Melanchthon? Uh, Osiander. Hey, Evan! <laughs> that's right. I had a 33% chance. Why not? <laughs> well, really a 50% chance. Cause I was pretty sure it wasn't Melanchthon. Yeah, Osiander really was... Um, uh, he, he is this... Uh, uh, the cause of this controversy, he teaches like this, and he really he uses the same language uh, that the Lutherans would use, but really distorts their theology because he. I mean, we talked about mysticism uh, in the beginning with the praise song business, and really we have uh, a form of mysticism here as well with Osiander, that it's Christ dwelling in us that is our righteousness, rather than Christ dying for us that is our righteousness. So we always want to, always want to have. If we want to have the comfort of the gospel, it has to come from outside of us, in the sure and certain promise of the gospel. Okay. So we are against this Osiandrianism, and and this kind of manifests itself today too, when people are more interested in talking about uh, being in the presence of God and being united to God and being one with God than they are in talking about the cross of Jesus and His death for us, uh, which is really where we have the comfort of the gospel again. So, so there you go. So do I get points for that then? Well, yeah, I promised, what, 2,000 points? But I had to give you the choices, so let us I'll give you uh, 500 points, Evan. How about okay. that? All right. Does that well, satisfy your lust for points? <laughs> <laughs> Look who's talking there. Hey, this quote, <laughs> this quote is just for you then. The secure sinner is addicted to either what is base or what is high, either to lawlessness or lawfulness. Theologically, there is not any difference since both break the relationship to God the giver. Okay, that's one. All right, let's have the second one. Okay. Second one is, antinomianism is fake theology. It is a fake theology, for if you want to remove the law, it is necessary to remove sin and death. Thus, only Christ can do that. All right, this is for sure uh, a Lutheran, talking about antinomianism being fake. Okay. Uh, and talking about Christ removing sin. And this, and has, it, I, it's this has to be someone like outside the Reformation. Lutheran. What's that? This has to be someone outside the Reformation. Yeah, yeah. So it's got to be a modern Lutheran. All right, I'm ready for the third one. This is going to bring it home. And the last one is, the law of God, the most salutary doctrine of life, cannot advance humans on their way to righteousness, but rather hinders them. Ooh, the law of God. Outside the Reformation. Now, can you give me the parameters? Because that sounds like a formula of Concord quote, like a Martin Chemnitz or something like that. Um, but tell me, what you, you when did you start? Uh, is this is after 1600? Oh, yes. Um, I'll even tell you it's after uh, 1700. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> All right. I know this is a Lutheran because, look, he's talking about the law of God cannot help but hinder on the way to righteousness because we think of ourselves as prideful, accomplishing uh, the work that God has given us rather than emphasizing Christ. Now, I, don't, I hope I don't come up looking like a real uh, fool if this isn't a Lutheran. Um, <laughs> But I think it's got to be, and I think it's got to be someone like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. How about that? That is incorrect. Ugh. This is actually is a, a way more uh, recent, uh, but just recently died. Uh, this would be Gerhard O. Forty. Oh, yes. And the book that you're quoting from? Um, there's different works, but mostly out of uh, 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 On Being a of Theologian the of, the, of the Cross. Yeah, uh, And I want to talk more about this quote, uh, the first one I gave you. The secure sinner is addicted to either what is base or what is high. And so um, we, sometimes we talk about when some becomes a legalist. They're, they're, they, they either um, rationalize that what they're doing is wrong. That'd be what is base. I'm rationalizing this isn't wrong. And then, then the other, to, to addicted to what is high, would be that I'm pulling it off. Um, so there's a difference between someone who says... What I'm doing isn't wrong. There's nothing wrong with this. Versus one says, I'm obeying all the laws. I'm, I'm doing what God expects of me. 
Uh, but really yeah. what he says is that there's no difference theologically because they both break the relationship to God the giver. That's right, because the gospel is that, that, that Christ has overcome the law in our place. Look, either we handle the law, that's the prideful uh, Pharisee, the legalist, I've got the law handled, or the law handles us. That's the person who's fallen in despair because the law has shown them their own sin. But, but how we want to have it is that Christ has the law destroyed and Christ has us. And this comes in and breaks apart all of this, uh, our relationship with the law altogether because Christ has us. And, and if we know that if he has us in the forgiveness of his sins and in, and in the hands of his mercy, uh, then the law cannot tear us away from him. Uh, either by making us too good to need Christ or by sh- by showing that we're so bad that we, we've got to be separate from him. So, no, that's a marvelous quote and, and full of wonderful comfort. It gets us back to the gospel, which is that Jesus forgives our sins. And congratulations to all our listeners. They made it through a whole hour of Table Talk Radio. <laughs> five points for each listener. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, so uh, we just gave away about 25 points. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, tune in again next time, same time, same place, on Table Talk Radio. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.